What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hustle and Grind podcast. My name is Jason Hartwell. I'm here in the brand new studio, and we got a guest today. We got a Ryan and a Brian, and um, two pretty cool guys, Hello. two heroes. What's up, guys? How you doing today? Good. Doing well. It's great to be here. We got plain old regular Ryan. Everybody's used to him. And then we got Brian uh, Camp. Am I saying that right? You are. All right, cool. You're one of, one of the few that gets it right the first time. Brian Hennenkamp from Tortuga Blade Works is in the house with us. Thank you. Great to be here. Right, thanks for jumping on, man. That was pretty last minute. I just kind of sprung it on you like, hey, dude, do the podcast. And you were down. So, hell yeah. yeah. But that's usually how it works, though, man. Absolutely. Yeah, me and me and uh, Brian were having a conversation on the internet the other night, just chit chatting back and forth, and seemed like a pretty damn interesting guy. So I figured you'd be fun to have on the show with us. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, just some basics about you. You're out there in Seattle. I You're, am. Yeah, I'm in uh, Renton, Washington. It's just a suburb, south end of Seattle, South King County. Okay, and you're a part-time knife maker. That's correct. So for a couple years now, um, kind of my side hustle, um, full-time gig. I'm the director of uh, emergency and trauma services at a, one of our local hospitals here in the UW system. That sounds freaking cool to me, dude. Yeah, it's a little crazy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds way cooler than my day job. Yeah, it's all relative, man. You know, it's surprising what you get used to. So yeah, I told uh, I told Ryan yesterday what you did. I said, "Man, that shit is interesting as fuck to me." He's like, "Dude, you're gross." <laughs> <laughs> but you know, all that stuff just interests me. You know what I mean? Like when I think trauma, I'm thinking like there's a car wreck, somebody hit a tree, and they have to go to the hospital with the tree sticking through their chest, and you guys got to figure it out. You know, yep. that's where my yep. brain goes. Yeah, we get some of that. <laughs> you get the fingers in a Ziploc bag and you get the gunshots and kind of everything in between and uh, all the other fall down, go boom injuries. So there's a, there's a range. Yeah. So, yeah. That sounds fun. Yeah. Is that We're something situ situated in a good spot in King County where uh, there's a major trauma center up north? Um, but we kind of sit halfway between everything and them. So we get, you know, quite a bit from the same catchment and everything in between. So it's never, never dull. Yeah. I bet. So, yeah. Is that something you always kind of wanted to do or did you just end up doing that? Um, you know, I've, I've done a lot of different things. Um, this wasn't my first career. Uh, you know, I found my way to it through trying a lot of other stuff. I was always into science. And, um, when I was a younger, younger man, I tried firefighting and, uh, you know, more first responder EMS and, uh, it was fun, but that's a young man's game pretty hard on the body. And, uh, uh I like the, I'm not an adrenaline junkie, but I like the problem solving and the environment. And, uh, I like having a difficult challenge and then solving it and moving on. So, and just be able to help other people. So it's a good mix then, you know, in the hospital setting, we get the emergencies, we get, um, as a, as a first responder, you drop the patients off and then you don't get to be part of fixing them. So, um, uh, so I was always more curious there. I'd get in trouble for hanging around too long. And, um, uh, so now I get to help solve the problems and then, then I get to hand them off to people that'll take care of them for, you know, the duration. 
So that's awesome. That's so yeah. it's not that far off from you're like a mechanic for people instead yeah. of a mechanic <laughs> for motors. Yeah. Exactly is. You diagnose, tune it up, send them on their way. So ninety yeah, percent of the job's diagnosis. Yep. Yep. The aim is to get it done as fast as we can to, you know, high quality, good service. And, you know, there's a lot, a lot more of that than you see on TV. So, yeah, your oil changes are a little grosser than mine. Yeah. Though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I never really thought about it that way, but yeah, that goes together, <laughs> I guess. It's a little more disturbing when I get it on me. So, oh, yeah. That's gross. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it's surprising what you can get used to. Yeah, I guess so. But that sounds so. Are you a doctor or a nurse or what's your actual? I guess. Uh, um, yeah, nursing by trade. Um, that's actually when I was getting into this. I I was tracking towards medical school, and you know, full bore um, was done and ready and applying. And I, you know, I took uh, basically I, during that time, I found out the nurses are doing what I thought doctors did, and I wanted more patient involvement and more more hands-on, more skills, things like that. So um, that's the direction I went. It's good timing, too. I had, you know, a young family we were raising, and um, going the physician route at that period of life would have put me in residency and, you know, pulled me away from kids as they were hitting high school, and I just wanted to be there, you know, as a dad. So so a little bit faster track, and um, so I went into the ER uh, as an ER nurse, floor nurse, um, trauma nurse, and then, you know, ended up in leadership. So, and that's kind of the way hospitals run, you know, there's the medical org and the nursing tends to run operations in hospitals. So, uh, pretty quickly got pulled in that direction and, uh, here I am. So it's pretty fun. Love the people I work with and, you know, it's a great way to serve the community. Yeah. Getting it done. That's for sure. Yeah. Since we aren't afraid to hit the nail right on the head and you're in the medical field, how do you feel about monkeypox? <laughs> <laughs> I just I just saw a meme the other day of, uh, was that the Joker showing around uh, the clown from It saying uh, Corona showing monkeypox around? Nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we get the early briefs on that stuff and... Um, uh, there's always a lot of media hype with these things and that's why the media the news is banned in my house i freaks everybody out unnecessarily so um it's nasty stuff it's super rare you know it's it's around a few places uh it takes intimate contact to really you know be a big deal so right it's fascinating it's that it's right? it's fascinating that it's spreading uh, yeah, but it's it's through co you know close contact and um, yeah, so I, I don't think it's something we need to be alarmed about right now. So yeah, I just heard I that word last week on the national news. They was, they said something about COVID and you know cases dropping, and I kind of wasn't paying close attention to it. But I heard the next thing that we got to focus on is monkeypox. I turned my head. <laughs> so, Are you fucking shitting me? Monkeypox, really? I thought they were making it up, dude. <laughs> Yeah, they, they got to come up with better names. Yeah. Yeah. That one's just old and sounds scary, so it's great news. Yeah. yeah. That's just what we need is a bunch of monkey poxes. But, yeah. They could call it like 
blister blanket. <laughs> hey, that's a good one. Get people's attention a lot more. What blister blanket? Yeah. Yeah, that that'd be something to Google. Gross. Yeah. So let's get into the shop talk. The reason why everybody's here. <laughs> I've got a question for you, Mr. Tortuga, and I'm just gonna ask you right out. How old are you? I'm 43, just okay. about 44 here. Yeah, next so, next week. So you're just a hair ahead of us. The way you were talking the other night, it made I was thinking you were an old man, and I'm sitting here looking at you now. You're not an old man, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, should be. Feel like it. We all feel that way sometimes. That's for sure. But you started getting into knives at 12 years old. Yeah, you know. Well, I think I think all of us had probably a young obsession with this some some way or another right um, you know i grew up east side of uh the state and we were you know we were a camping family boy scouts things like that and uh, so vacation for us was in the woods um so knives were always a part of my life you know from an early age and uh i was always fascinated with native american culture and you know old weapons and so back then, and I was just a really crafty kid and really my, my parents always encouraged that if you want to try it, do it. And they never put limits on me that way. So, uh, to the level, I mean, stuff that I would never let my kids do now, I'm, uh, you know, I'd be in the garage firing up power tools. I had no business using when I was real young and didn't know how to use them. But, um, yeah, I was probably 12 and I started making my first, you know, knife shaped objects and, um, but I was, I've always been one that I kind of throw myself into, you know, hobbies and things like that. So I get books and I study it and, uh, I kind of obsess over things. And, uh, so I was doing that then, uh, you know, I checked out some books from the library and started messing around my dad's garage. And, um, and then in high school, you know, I did metal shop and, and back then school was way different. You know, I made a, made a broadsword in school and I carried it around class to class and my teachers told me how cool it was. So that was a different world, but, uh, yeah, you go to jail for that nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. So I picked up some skills there and, um, in, you know, in high school, that was when I first learned about heat treating and a little bit of the metallurgy, um, and that I actually had to harden these blades I was making. So, um, I didn't, uh, and then for a number of years, I didn't do anything with it until uh, early 2000s. Um, I was making custom guitars. That was another kind of business I had for a while. And the type of guitars I built, I used a lot of hand tools, um, you know, Japanese planes and chisels, things like that. So I needed to find some pretty rare uh, plane blades for some old uh, chisels that I had and figured I could make those I know how so that kind of got me back into the the bladed tool making a little bit and uh, so I started dabbling there with knives again and then uh, 2015 I got a grinder kind of a proper grinder and started working on uh, stock removal uh, with the intention of actually producing some knives maybe um maybe selling them just to kind of pay for my hobby. And, uh, after that, it's kind of like all of us. It just, we get that bug and it goes, we start <laughs> trying new things. Um, 
The, I, I never had plans for a business either, but uh, early COVID quarantine, my my oldest son said he wanted to learn how to forge. And I was really starting to dabble in forging. And um, so it was something we did together to spend some time too while he was his last year before heading off to college. Um, so that was a great year. You know, I was working in the midst of the first COVID outbreak, which was just chaos. And then, you know, being able to come home and forge and decompress, it's, it's really become my, my space, you know? So that's kind of how that, that grew. And then, uh, I think at one point my wife said, you got to do something about this. Cause you're, you know, I get a new hobby and then an old one needs to go. <laughs> we, don't, we, we don't have room for all this stuff. So, um, yeah, so and then I got some people interested in it and um, kind of formalized the Tortuga thing, and that's what I've been doing. So where'd you get the name Tortuga? Um, it, it's it's more of a it's a historical you know geeky thing. I went through a period where I was really I was reading all the old pirate you know literature and stories and um, everything I could find on you know the Brethren of the Coast and. Um, so I, it, I was look, looking at all the old um, pirate strongholds that were left, um, Nassau and Tortuga and things like that. And uh, that was a cool vibe. Uh, secretly, I always just wanted to be a pirate. And <laughs> Me so, too. Damn. We all, I don't know. And I, you know, I struggled when I was starting to put out knives. Like, do I call them Brian Hinnenkamp knives? Who wants a Brian Hinnenkamp knife? That just. Some people have cool names. You guys have cool names that work for your, you know, your brand. And then I don't know. So that's kind of the vibe I went with and, uh, it's stuck, you know, people line with it. It's kind of fun. And, um, so yeah, it's themed and branding and, and whatever. So call my shop, the sloop, you know, I got a pirate flag out there and so. pirate forge was already taken. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Wayne's on another level. Yeah, he's a freaking <laughs> character, dude. He's, he's yeah. a madman. I love his work. Yeah, yeah me too. He's another he's medical in, guy. Huh? He's another medical guy. He was a nurse uh, full-time. Oh, yeah. I think he was a, a charge nurse. Something something in charge of nursing or something like that. I can't remember exactly. Oh, that's that's but, cool. Yeah, that's what that's he cool. did before uh, going full-time into the, into the Blades. He posted a video the other day using, I think it's a Hilti, a big Hilti impact doing the twist Damascus. Yeah. I and I that. almost commented because I know a better way to do it. And, <laughs> but that he was... wouldn't, you know, nobody would have listened. So my blacksmith buddy, he built this machine that he calls the Jerry Rig. Okay. And bas basically what it is, is he took a four-wheel drive transfer case out of a truck and he put it on a lathe body. And then he put a huge ass wheel on the side that comes from the transmission because it's like, it's like four to one ratio or something like that. So you turn the wheel four times and it spins the crank once or back or vice versa. Whatever. Right. Right. Um, but it takes no effort to do it. You just stand there and you put the hot piece of steel in the two chucks and crank it over. And it's got so much torque that it's not even an issue. He named it the Jerry Rig because his name's Jerry. Yeah, well, that works. 
Yeah. Not everyone just has a, a four wheel drive truck transfer case laying around though. I mean, you can run up to the supply house and buy you a Hilti Impact. <laughs> yeah, there's junkyards everywhere though. Yeah, that's right. true. Or the space for it. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing. He has to keep it outside because the wheel on it's like five feet in diameter. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. It's like a big wagon wheel. Yeah, my buddy Tyler at Wolf River, uh, Wolf River Forge, he does uh, Dewalt Impact for his twist. Yeah. If he's not doing it, he does a lot of stuff by hand, obviously, but, you know, I have I'm seen him put that Dewalt on there. Yeah, I still do all that by hand. I just clamp it in my press and go after it. Yeah, I built a tool for twisting bars one time, but I've never actually twisted a bar with it. But I have the tool. All it is is a, it's like a 16-inch adjustable wrench, and I welded a handle on the jaw end of it to where, you know, you got the leverage. Yep, yep. It looks cool sitting in the corner of the shop, but it's never gotten to use yet. Maybe one day. It's a surprising workout. Yeah. <laughs> I've twisted some uh, railroad spikes way back in the beginning, just messing around. But I realized real quick, this is stupid. <laughs> All that work for that <laughs> twist, and it doesn't do anything special. We're not doing this anymore. But uh, we got Blade Show coming up next week. Who's excited? <laughs> from the internet so that makes Everybody. me yeah <laughs> yeah i'm brian's very excited haul blade huh brian's got a haul to get to blade if he wants to go <laughs> yeah it's not gonna happen this year yeah that's like three thousand miles yeah you know it's funny i've, I've made it to five or six blade shows but never as a bladesmith since i started really <laughs> always always previous yeah just you know yeah younger you know years and years ago so yeah well this year luckily thanks to all of this community's amazing freaking support i will be at blade show and uh thanks. thanks to that raffle that i put up and brian thank you again for getting in on that ryan both you guys did man you guys are awesome but um yeah, everybody that put in on it, we will be there. And so it'll be me and Miss Katie up there. And uh well, I have a special guest with me putting around the show, Mr. Bubba. The old school nice. Bubba. He's gonna be up there with us. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm excited, super excited. If you run across any materials there that you think I can't live without, you let me know. Will do. And I'll send I'll send you some money and some chips. Dude, everything there is something you can't live without. Yeah, there's too much of that there. It's crazy. I've already got it set in my head this year when I go to the show. I'm going to do my laps, obviously. But I've got such a list of people that I want to meet face-to-face. -face. That's going to be my main focus. You know what I mean? I just want to shake the hands of all the people that I've met through doing this. You know, this is – we talk about it all the time, but this knife smith community, bladesmith, knife maker, whatever you want to call us, it's a damn awesome group of people. Yep. Yep. That's the best thing about it. I think the community. Yeah. For the most part, about 99% of us for sure. Right. Yeah. There's always that one asshole. I've met a couple dicks. Yeah. There's, there's, yeah. there's a few out there. They're few and far between though. Yeah. The community seems to weed them out. Because yeah. like, yeah, they disappear awful fast. Yeah. I think it's cool. Like when you get up there, especially in the pit, you know, everybody's got a beer or two, you know, hanging out, relaxed. You can talk to anybody because you know ahead of time you already have something in common. If you're in that room, 
you already have a common interest. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just a funny group, too, because I can't think of any other situation where you have such a, a collection of introverted people that right. on their own, we love to go hide in our shop, but you get us there. And yeah, that's quite a lot of common ground and it's nuts. Yeah. It's a blast. Nothing like it. Yeah. We look forward to it every year. And especially now the, you know, the week of coming up, me and Katie sit around at, at night talking on the couch and we'll end up for two hours straight talking about nothing but Blade Show and just, you know, going on and on about what we're going to do, what we did last year, the year before the year before and so much fun. But, uh, the raffle is, I guess, technically, as of right this second, what is it, about 4.30 on Sunday. It's still open, but by the time this comes out, it'll be closed. Whenever we get done with this recording, I'm going home, and we're doing a drawing. So we'll know here in just a little while who wins. Good luck to both of you guys. I wish I could make everybody a freaking knife. I'm just so, I'm so excited, you know, and happy about everyone supporting me trying to do this. So, yeah, it's going to be cool. I'd never win anything. Well, it's I mean, not, if I knew if I knew how to rig it, you know, I'd, I'd hook you up. But <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to be sorry, doing you, it. You already sent me a pig's foot. I did. I did send you a pig's foot. How'd you like that? I did not eat it. I, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but pig's feet aren't my jam. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you, dude. There's no way I'd eat that piece of shit either. So I sent Ryan just like a little goodie box. And at the gas stations around here, not all of them, but every now and then, they have actual pickled pig's feet that are like salt cured and shrink wrapped, you know, like vacuum sealed. And wow. it's a giant chunk of meat. It's probably like at least half a pound. But it's big. <laughs> it's a big ass pig's foot. But they it's sell nasty. them at the gas stations for like a dollar twenty five. Like that's how bad they are. <laughs> And I was actually on the way to the post office, and I saw that. I stopped to get gas or whatever. I was like, oh, my God, I've got to throw one of those in the box. <laughs> wow. Got toenails and all, just Oh, whatever. yeah. Yeah, they're still on there, dude. Skin, the nails, the hair, all of it. Bones. Oh, wow. Fucking gross. Dude. Yeah, and it even wow. says bone in on it. Like, how they no going to offense. Be- I appreciate the gift, but. <laughs> God damn. Yeah. <laughs> so he was sending me a little piece of G10. This this little guy right here. And I get this huge box. And I'm like, what the fuck is all this? I open it up. There's boiled peanuts, potatoes, homemade jam, a pig's foot. Fucking, uh, a couple blocks of stabilized wood. Nice. nice. Nice little goodie box. Well, to be honest, those potatoes that were in there, I just I grabbed a flat rate box. And I didn't mean to grab one that big. And I needed something to fill space. So I was packing it at the kitchen table. I was like, oh, fuck, I'll throw some potatoes in there. <laughs> it made more sense when you told me they came from your garden. Because I opened the bag and I'm like, potatoes? Like, I live in Maine, bro. <laughs> Maine's a potato stick. <laughs> well, see, I didn't know that, actually. I had no idea. Potatoes are the cheapest food around here. Yeah, those actually came out of my garden. So Those were good. The he just wanted to... Uh, Get your analysis, your expert analysis on his potatoes. Yeah. How'd you like that jelly? Muscadine. I didn't try it. The wife did. Yeah. She liked it. She liked it. She couldn't pinpoint what it was. And I was like, I don't know. He said something. I don't remember. Yeah. What's it called? Muscadines. 
muscadines. Yep. I'll have to tell her. Homemade muscadine jelly. Katie makes that, and I make muscadine wine. What's a muscadine? It's like a grape, but bigger, and it's got like a harder, more firm skin on it. And they like only grow in the south? Probably. With a name like muscadine? Yeah, I'd never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, we got muscadine vines all over the place on our property. But that's like you'd never heard of fiddleheads. I have not. And when I saw the picture of them, it made a ton of sense. You know why they're called that? Yeah, because they look like the head of a fiddle. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Brian? Fiddleheads, muscadines, you got anything crazy up there? Not muscadines. We get fiddleheads up here. It's Seattle. You know, we're we're weird. They're they're pushing things (laughs) like, you know, fiesta flavored crickets and things like that. So, yeah. But yeah, you know, we get a lot of uh, wild mushrooms and uh, things like that. We get a lot of farmers markets, farm to table stuff here, which is pretty nice. I don't think anything real crazy. Does muscadines? Some people call them scuplins and think they're the same thing, but they're not. Muscadines, there's there's purple and gold, and they're different. You know, they're they look similar, but the color is completely different, and one is sweeter than the other. Do you, can you eat those like a regular grape? You can, but you don't want to chew up the skin. It's real firm. It's almost like leather. So a lot of times you just kind of pop it in your mouth and bite it and spit the skin out. And the inside is just like a grape. Super sweet. But, uh, yeah, they're good. They're real good. Crazy. And we probably get, I don't know, at least eight or ten five-gallon bucket fulls every year. Damn. Just off the one vine that, you know, we got one vine that grows across the front fence at our house in our front yard. And I kind of take care of that vine. I trim it back every year and make sure it's, you know, running right the way I want it to, all that stuff. And that's the one we really pick off of. But in the woods around, they're everywhere. I mean, you can look up in the trees and see them 30 feet in the air. Just from where they've naturally started climbing up the trees. Wow. But, yep, pretty cool stuff. The wife wants apple trees. My parents got apple trees in their yard. And I was under the impression you can't just have one apple tree. You need two because you have to have a male and a female. My dad was actually telling me something about that not long ago because they have to cross pollinate or something like that. Yeah, they won't fruit or right. something. That's what I was told. So Yeah, I don't know how true that is because we had that conversation about apple trees and some other tree too, and we ended up Googling it course you, you don't know how true google is either but that was not the case for one of them and that might be true with apple but i can't remember for sure let's find out do you need two apple trees to produce <laughs> apples googling live with ryan chadborn extension apples are pollinated by insects with bees and flies transferring pollen from flowers of one apple tree to those of another but you don't need to plant a whole orchard to enjoy apples right off the tree says two trees will reward any family with enough fruit to enjoy and share with friends. Well, you heard it here, folks, first. <laughs> On Google. On Google. So let's talk about shop. Ryan, I've seen your shop a million times. Brian, yeah. it looks like you're sitting in a pretty nice house. I want to hear about the dirty old nasty shop that's outside. <laughs> so... Similar to Pickle, uh, we I think we had similar shop sizes. Uh, really? Although I think I think he's expanding his now. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, you know, I live in a, a a neighborhood that was 
built in the I don't know, late sixties at the time it was a country club community. So, uh, but I think a lot of the same people still live here. So they've kept the same neighborhood rules. Um, so CCNRs that are a hundred years old. And, uh, so when I initially started forging, you know, I was using our garage and I graduated to the back porch with a couple awnings. And then I proposed this shop, which got shot down by our, uh, the county was fine with what I wanted, but then our our neighborhood group said no. So built a pretty small shop. So um, I made a space that's about 14 by 8 total. And uh, so I get pretty creative. Uh, I got a lot of stuff in there. But, uh, yeah, kind of put it at the back corner of my lot. So, um, when, you know, when I get home from my other job, I you know, kind of physically a lot time to step away and just dedicate time in the shop. So helps to just, you know, walk across the yard and, and, and get out there. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. If you ever have like a, a drunk driver accident or something and they're like a patient doesn't do good, you can just pretend that piece of steel is the asshole that hit them. You know what I mean? Many, many days. Take out some of that anger. Yep. It's uh fire up the forge, turn on the music. That's that's my spot. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You're on coal or gas? Uh, I'm doing gas right now. Um I've thought about coal with the you know, changes in <laughs> gas prices around here. Yeah. But it would be a big jump with the way I have stuff set up and uh one of those challenges too, you know, that I have less flexibility the more I take orders and kind of get locked into what I need to produce and, and streamlining my processes for being efficient there. So, right. so right now I'm a little, little locked in with what I'm working on. How far back are you on orders right now? Um, probably early fall um, with the speed I'm, I'm turning around right now. I've been, playing with how many I can build at once and uh, not get too ADD or distracted. I found there's kind of a point of diminishing returns where I'm, you know, productive and then I start getting distracted or move too slow. So I can, I can make about three at a time and still work on some other side things as I go and uh, turn stuff around relatively fast. I don't really like the waiting list. Uh, you know, just, just the way that works. I don't like keeping customers waiting and I don't like the pressure of, you know, worrying about those long distance. So I, <laughs> you know, I initially said, um, I wasn't going to take orders. I was going to make what I want to make. And if people want to, you know, buy it, cool. And then, uh, actually I had that conversation with Jason Knight around, you know, just the business model. And that was his, his advice was, do what's fun and, you know, keeps you passionate and enjoying what you're doing. And so I came home from that conversation and promptly started taking orders, which <laughs> I said I wasn't going to do. So I feel uh, you a hundred percent on that. It's really hard. Like when you tell yourself, I don't want to take custom orders because it, it, the time stress sucks some of the joy out of it. You know what I mean? Like, even if the customer is not stressed about it, we are stressed about it because we know that we 
have their deposit or whatever. Yeah. Um, yep. But it's really hard when somebody's waving 400 bucks in your face. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. You want to make me a knife? Oh, yes. yes I, <laughs> I need, yeah, you know. Yep. I even, <laughs> I even closed my books for a little bit, but had people reaching out because, you know, when we post content, it spurs what you want. You know, people see that they got to have it. They reach out, you know, what do I got to do to get that? And then I say, oh, my books are closed, but I'll put you on a waiting list to tell you when my books are open. <laughs> so they're essentially on a waiting list to get on the right. waiting list, which, yeah, that's just, it's stressful. Uh, I don't take money up front either on orders until I start, you know, their build. Um, and uh, kind of I'll contact people a week or two out so they know, you know, they can financially be ready if uh, I'm going to start something unexpectedly and then I'll take half down then because that, that part's stressful for me too, taking payment up front. That just adds a layer, yeah. uh, you know, pressure. So I take half down to cover materials and starting out, you know, like – that happened to me yesterday, actually. My books are closed, but a good friend of mine, I ran into him, and he's like, I got cash on me right now. Will you make me a knife? Ah, like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. It won't be ready till November. Okay, that's cool. All right. All right. <laughs> we're good then. Right. Yeah. I had a so, buddy of mine message me last week. He's like, hey, a friend of mine's birthday is next week. Do you have any knives available, you know, ready right now? I had one. One single knife sitting in a drawer. And it was one that, you know, you ever build one thinking, well, I'm just going to build this because I want to, you know, and then sell it when it's done. And it don't it don't move. You know what I mean? You think it's going to be like a bad son of a bitch and just go, but it just sits there. Well, mm-hmm. I had that one, and it was, man, it was bad to the bone. And uh, it had that red and white chunky-looking handle on it. You know what I mean? It was like the epoxy casting that crystal clear resin. With yeah, it the, like candy. Yeah. Like, I figured that thing would go quick. But I was still sitting on it, and um, I was like, yeah, I got this one. And I went back in my phone and sent him a picture, you know, that I took when it was initially finished. He's like, that's fucking awesome. I want it. I'll take it. So he Venmoed me the money, and he just lives right here in town. But um, I was like, cool, I'll meet up with you tomorrow afternoon. I said, let me go out there and grab that knife, you know, just put another coat of oil on it or whatever, just make sure everything's good. Well, apparently when I put it up, I didn't oil it very well. And um, I had some little patina issues on the butt of the handle. So I had to get, get out the sandpaper, re-hand sand all that, and tune it up. But, uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. It was an unexpected sale. Made a couple of dollars. Yeah, it's weird how that works. My buddy wants he wants a CPM S30V, and I didn't have any. So I had to order some of that up last night. Is that something that you normally have? No, that's a, like one of them fancy super steels. Right. And I've never played with it. The only stainless I've messed with is AEBL, and it's because it's the cheapest. Uh, and, gotcha. it, you, and it produces good results. You know, it's a good steel. Um, but like bar stock-wise, it's the least expensive. Fucking an 18-inch, 2-inch wide by 8-inch thick piece of that CPM is... Uh, like 40 bucks on Jantz plus shipping. Damn. Hold on. My wife's calling me. I'll be right back. We'll be right here. So what kind of, what kind of steel you mess with? 
Um, my favorites by far, you know, ADCRV2. I use that a lot. Um, I have a little bit of a steel hoarding problem. <laughs> so, it's, you know, I'll order uh, without taking a good inventory. So the pile keeps growing. And uh, yeah. Um, so I got a little of everything. But uh, for the most part, I use ADCRV2. I do a, a ton of um, sand my right now. It's. Uh, large percentage of my orders are in uh, San Maya, which I do a uh, ADCRV two core with uh, four sixteen stainless uh, on the outside. Um, I've been playing with the eighty six seventy as well. Uh, I'm I'm still undecided on it. I've used it quite a bit, but uh, that's our pops knife supply house blend. Yeah, the house house steel. It's tough stuff. Uh, he treats easy. Uh, takes a wicked edge. Um, I've seen different people get different performance out of it, but um, I just haven't been able to get a, a you know a good blade that'll hold an edge over time like I can with ADCRV2. I know it can do that though. I've seen some other guys that nail that stuff and uh, performs pretty well. I feel like I need to venture out more when it comes to what steel I use. So when I started, I started with 1095, you know, and 1084. And that still to this day, that's just about all I use. I mean, I guess I've just gotten comfortable with it because not having an oven, you know, heat treating out of a forge, once you get it kind of figured out in your brain as far as times and PSI and all that kind of stuff on your forge, it's it's a little easier, you know what I mean? And I feel like if I try to branch out into something else, I'm going to screw that up and then I'm going to forget you know, my normal technique. <laughs> so no, I think that's good advice. That's the advice I got early on forging too, is just pick one. They're all good steels, right? but, but learn it and get good with it. And, uh, I think I jumped on ADCRV too at the time. Cause it, somebody said it was cool. And, um, turns out the properties, you know, are exactly what I, I do like after I tried some other things. So that's why I stick with it. I've spent so much time with it that I'm just, I know what I can do. I can get a consistent result. So I'm yes. always, Oh, sorry. Uh, I said, I was always, I'm always hesitant when somebody orders a custom and asks me to use some other steel. I'm not as familiar with. <laughs> so, yeah. I've got a small batch of ADCRV twos ready to grind i haven't used it yet this is my first batch with it uh, i decided to play with it because of the corrosion resistance because it doesn't rust as easy as 1095 i was told yeah that's true yeah. Hmm. that's good to know and it's tough stuff with that extra vanadium i also just picked up some old uh the uh, crew forge v haven't played with that yet but i'm pretty curious yeah I lean, I lean towards the oven and stainless for a couple reasons. The oven, because it's less open flame, you know what I mean? It's more precise to my, like, obsessive brain. And then the stainless, you don't have to explain to your... Most of the people who buy knives from me don't know how to take care of a carbon steel knife. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like, it's it cuts out that whole risk factor of they're going to take my 1095 blade they're going to treat it like shit it's going to rust and they're going to blame me for it which i've seen happen to makers i mean it happens all the time um so that was kind of why i lean towards 
stainless. Um, but I, you also lose some of the toughness too. You know, you don't have the edge retention. Um, so I kind of dabble back and forth sometimes. Ryan, do you wrap your blades when you do stainless? Yeah. I figured you probably did, but I don't think I've ever seen you. You know, a lot of people, when they get time to, when it comes time to wrap up the blades, they post pictures of the foil and, you know, how they do it or whatever. I don't remember ever seeing you show that part of it. Oh, I haven't. Hold on. I got one right here. I mean, I believe you. You know what I mean? There you go. <laughs> yep. There it is. That's some heavy duty ass tenfold. That's six bucks worth of stainless steel wrap right there. Oh, is that stuff reusable? Or when you're done, it just goes in the trash? It's, oh, yeah, it goes in the trash. You have to cut the pouches open. And so once I run out of the foil, I'm going to switch to the paint. Oh, yeah, I've seen that stuff. Yeah, the Condorsol Z1100 is what it's called. It's 75 bucks a quart. Good golly. Probably yeah, lasts a, a lot longer, though, huh? Way. Yeah, I mean, that stainless steel wrap is fucking jesus it's like 180 dollars for 25 feet of it something like that mm. 16 inch wide yeah that's crazy you wouldn't want to accidentally grab that and cover up your pan of baked beans to take over to mama's house dude that <laughs> stuff is so sharp i've gotten cut <laughs> more times from that foil wrap than i have ever from a knife yeah you just this you move your finger the slightest way Soop, right through you I wrote sharp as fuck on the box. <laughs> so like my wife or my kids are ever out here messing around. They don't like open it and pull it out. And they're like, what's this? You know, slice themselves. That stuff is ridiculously sharp. I like your warning labels. Mm -hmm. What'd you write on your <laughs> oven? This is hot or this gets hot or something. <laughs> I get hot. I get hot. On, yeah. on the door and the top. Cause those are the two <laughs> that get too hot to touch. Well, I'm gonna uh I'm gonna pull up this little list. You know what time it is. Patreon time. That's what time it is. I want to get a new sound for my soundboard here. I just gotta figure out how to do that. But uh I got the perfect sound in mind that I want for it. I'm not telling yet. That would be a surprise. Is it, is it a cash register? No, it's not a cash register. <laughs> that was a notification for eBay for the longest time. Yeah, that's so, like you that's what it is on Etsy, too, if you make a sale on Etsy. Cha-ching! Yeah. I didn't like it, though, because you'd be standing in Walmart and your phone would go cha-ching, cha-ching, and everybody's looking at you like fucking Rockefeller over here. Jesus <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> well, my phone is not wanting to load right now. I know that uh, Brian Tortuga is a patron of ours. I'm going to just have to close it and, and come back into it. But, Donnie Dulovich. Yeah. Knifemaker.at. Look at you go. See if you can get all 18. Papahachi X. <laughs> Did I say that right? I think so. Mark Mark Vanderwerf. Mark LeBlanc. Uh, Maritime Knife Supply. Um, Brian Henningkamp. How's it going, buddy? <laughs> um <laughs> Did I say Mark Vanderwerf? You did. And Mark LeBlanc. Um, Noah at NT Out River Forge. How how could I have forgotten Noah? Yeah, you can't forget Noah. It's like same as Brigham, you know? Yeah, Brigham Kendall. 
Dustin Driver at Driver Defense Knives. Uh, Ed Soul, who's going to be on Fortune Fire, by the way. Everybody should watch that episode. Support our buddy Ed Soul. Is he a patron? Um, I think he is, isn't he? Isn't that how he got introduced to us? If not, he's awesome, and you should go check him out anyways. <laughs> um, fuck. I'm losing it. Yeah, you are. I have the dumb. I know there's like a really <laughs> obvious one who's going to be mad at us about it. Oh, Jason Moss. Uh, Aru Bladeworks. All right, now okay. I got the list up. I think you did pretty good, though. I really think you did pretty damn good. I mean, you forgot a couple of, like, heavy hitters up in here. You know what I mean? About, like, Dennis. Yeah, Dennis, Dennis Tyrell. Oh, Jesus Christ. Todd Harrington. Oh, my God, T-Family. How the hell did I forget Todd? Bex and Armory. I realize maybe we should bring that up. Remember what we <laughs> talked about the other day about Todd and being on Food Network and Todd yeah. was on some cooking shows back in the day? Yeah. Yeah, let me, let me just run through the whole list one time to make sure we don't forget anybody. Right. Because we love and appreciate all of them. Donnie oh. Dulovich, Knife Material.at, Aru Bladeworks, Brigham Kendale, Mark LeBlanc, Mark Vanderwerf, Bex Armory, Todd Harrington, Dennis Tyrell, Trucks Claire Custom Cutlery, Zachary Sowell, Maritime Knife Supply, Dustin Driver at Driver Defense Knives, Noah Bloomberg, Crafty Man Forge, Crafty Man Forge is not, his name's not Chad. His name is Luke Johnson. I messed it up last week, and I got a message saying, hey, asshole, my name's not Chad. So I told him I'd fix it. <laughs> so, uh, sorry, buddy. It's Luke Johnson, Crafty Man Forge. Go check him out. And then we got uh, Mr. Tortuga Blade Works, Brian Henningkamp, Jared at Echo Blades, and Eric Andrews at Sourwood Creations. So, uh, yeah, it's, kind of, it's getting kind of cool, man. All these patrons end up being on the show. At some point, you know what I mean? We've had a lot of these guys on here with us. I think I named three that weren't even on the list. Yeah. <laughs> and hit, guys. <laughs> they got You're welcome, Noah. <laughs> That's all right. We love everybody. We do. Send, Noah's send them a bill. great work lately. Oh, yeah. Noah's a patron. He's on there. Is he? Yeah. Oh. yeah. Oh, I wasn't. I forgot. It was so long ago. Yeah, Noah's been on the show. Uh, Richard Beck's been on. Mark Vanderwerf gave it hell. Todd Harrington's been on. Yeah. We should have Todd on again. We're definitely having Todd on again. Because he was on one time, and I feel like we just we missed so much. You know what I mean? Learning more about him afterwards. So, I'll be. We were, talk we were talking about the TV show thing, mm -hmm. me and Todd. And I was like, I, I've been. Talking to you this whole time, I didn't even realize you were famous, bro. He's like, I'm not fucking famous. <laughs> He's like, I was on one cooking show. It was actually like three shows, but I only watched the one. Yeah, he's he's called, very humble. Yeah, Good I think dude. it was called Cutthroat Kitchen. Mm -hmm. It was a horrible fucking show. The premise was terrible, <laughs> but he knows that. Yeah. How many TV shows you been on, Brian? Um. Man, none that I can think of. Uh, with a beard like that, no TV, really? Maybe, maybe the news once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I want to be on TV on one of these days. Just as long as it's not on an episode of Cops. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've grown out of that stage in my life, though. So I think I'm all right. 
be the guy on his on the porch in your underwear. No, that's right possible. <laughs> yeah. Imagine how your IG would blow up if there was a video of you getting tased. Oh, dude. <laughs> so my house, I know I've brought it up on the uh, on the show before. It's at the end of the block, and I've got a very good security system on my house. So if anything happens at the intersection, or, you know, or somewhat close, there's there's been a few times where the cops have actually had to come and look at our cameras, you know, and kind of observe or see if they can pick up anything off of it. And I'm more than happy to help. You know, I'm not trying to be a snitch, but, you know, if some shit's going down in my neighborhood, I'd rather get it out anyway. <laughs> Narc. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I actually got a little gold token, you know, from the city. You know, for helping them out. And uh, one of my buddies said it was the Golden Snitch Award. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, the cops were in our living room one time looking at the cameras. And I was like, okay, well, this is, you know, this is where it's at. I started just a little bit too early. And there was a little 30 seconds of me taking a piss off the front porch. <laughs> right? It was from the back, but you could clearly see the arch of pee going over the port trail. <laughs> and then I turned around and walked in and... uh then that's when what they needed to see happened. But they just kind of looked at me and grinned. I was like, man, no, it's dark. Nobody can see that far. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah, man, what's what's country living if you can't piss off your front porch? You know what I mean? Yeah, I was doing it until uh, my neighbor that helps me do my groundwork, he's got a rental behind me, and it was empty for, like, the first year we were here. And now he's got tenants, so I can't piss off my porch anymore. Yeah, I've got the same route on the side of the porch that I aim at every time. <laughs> Dude, the fucking root's green now. It is so funny. It's an old cedar tree root. We had the tree taken out already, but hadn't got the stump ground out yet. Yeah, that, that root's done turned green from algae growing on it and shit. <laughs> I've been pissing on it every day for three years. That's fucked up. I know. <laughs> I thought about digging up the root and having it stabilized, making someone to handle with it. <laughs> Pissed with handle. <laughs> Make a knife for your enemy. Yeah. With a pit with a handle. It'd have to definitely be dried out and stabilized because it's cedar. Well, man, I'm getting excited to go to Blade Show, and guess who I'm going to see when I get there? I'm going to stop by booth number 3BB, I think. See my homies over at Phoenix Abrasives. Uh, yeah. Have you ever met Greg in person? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We hung out last year at the show. He's a, not as tall as you would think. <laughs> but he's a cool dude, though, man. I'm looking forward to having a beer with him in the pit and uh, just hanging out with everybody in person. Greg's a really cool dude. But uh, Go over to phoenixbraces.com and use that promo code HUSTLE10 for 10% off your entire order. And uh, do it. Do it. Do it now. I'm going to be getting that list here shortly uh, of the orders from the code. And I'm going to be shipping someone out a hustling grind t-shirt for using the code. So it's not too late. Get over there and use that code and you might just win a free t-shirt. Nice. Yeah. I got to put in an order soon. I'm going to upgrade my up, upgrade. I'm going to upgrade my uh, buffing station type deal. Yeah. Yeah, I want to get a long spindle one because I'm doing chef knives and shit, and I'm always trying to get weird angles close to the machine because it's too small, and my wheels are all worn out. They're the ones I've had since I started. The one that I caught on fire when I was grinding, that's my primary buffing wheel still. Oh, nice. 
Yeah, it's got a big lump burned out of it. Do you have any of their compound from Phoenix? I do. Dude, and when they say whatever the weight of that bar is on the website, <laughs> and you're like loaf of bread, dude. Through, and you're, you're like, oh, 12 bucks, some buffing compound. It's for these materials. Yep, add to cart. When I got that thing, dude, <laughs> I didn't even, I was like, did I order this? Like, you know, because I'm used to the little like Harbor Freight ones. Uh, this thing, it's literally like a loaf of bread. <laughs> it's huge it'll last it's the rest huge. of your life you gotta two-hand it <laughs> yes. onto the buffing wheel it's that big dude i bought the first one i bought was at blade show last year and i was telling you know telling him what i was trying to do and he's like yeah the blue is what you need and so i was like all right man well let me get the blue and he handed it to me and i'm like holy shit bro i don't want that much let me at least like try out the small <laughs> size first he's like this is all we got this is regular I know the listeners can't hear us, but just for Brian, I'm going to show him one. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, dude. It fit. It barely fits diagonal in like a uh, an over a gallon size Ziploc bag. It, they're enormous. Oh yeah, yeah. I have uh, actually, yeah, I have a pink one. I think about the same size. Four max. But I mean, that thing's huge. Yeah, it's a monster. Where's my tape measure? Yeah, I've got the blue, the white, and the pink. But I've got to the point where now just about all I use is the blue because it just seems to work good on everything. Nine and a half inches long by two <laughs> inches wide. What are you how measuring you, there, how Ryan? You had that brick. How long have you had it? He asked you. Uh, like a month. So that's pretty close to full size. Yeah. I mean, the, I burned a little bit off, but. Dude, I've had mine since Blade Show of last year, and it's, there might be an inch gone off of it. Maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you bought every single one of them so that you had them all, you would never run out of polishing compound. Oh, like no. 75 bucks. Yeah, I've got the blue, pink, and white. But that's yeah. what I was just telling Brian. I, the blue is about all I use. But all I, I only buff my handles. I don't buff my steel. I never have got into doing that. It just seems weird to me. But, I mean, I know a lot of people that do mirror finishes and stuff do it, but I just haven't. Plus, if I get, like, a weird spot on my blade that I don't want to take it back to the grinder, I'll just hit it with some on the buffing wheel, and usually it, the friction will take it off. Yeah. I but tried it a few times here so and there way back when, but... Just never got into really doing it. It's also the scariest tool in my shop. It, oh, it scares the shit out of me. When it <laughs> grabs something and pulls it out of your fingers, it's like... <gasps> yeah, yeah, hits the floor, hits the wall behind it. Yeah, that's why I want a long spindle one. Dude, my buffer is inside my cabinet, like with the cord rolled up. I don't, I don't even use it. I got yeah. the the vertical ones that go into my drill press. I just turn my drill press on high speed and do it on the left side of the of the wheel. That way, if it takes it from me, it's going to shoot it straight back into the wall. Yeah, that's how I'm doing all my handles now. I'm not applying any liquid finish to dry on. I oil them, mm -hmm. and then and I sand them up to like, you know, 1,500, 2,000, oil them, and then buff the shit out of them. With compound after oil? Yep. I let them dry, too. 
in between. Okay. So I'll, I'll oil it, let it sit, wipe it off, let it dry, and then I'll buff the shit right out of it. Yeah, the other yeah, day. Same that I've been doing. I've been taking it about 800. Uh, I'll do a little Danish oil, let them sit for a day, and then I'll buff them out with the pink compound. Not going for a high gloss, but a, it just above a, you know, a warm satin. Yeah. Keeps them, keeps them grippy, but the natural woods pop really well. Yep. I like the buffing compound too, because it will fill in scratches that you might have missed and then they're visible. So right. you can go back and touch it up, take them scratches out, whatever. Whereas if you're applying like the first handle finish I ever used was that true oil stuff, the gun stock oil. Mm-hmm. And if you get it on there right, you get like a really nice, I think Todd Harrington called it like a, a bowling pin finish, like that candy gloss finish, but it's such a pain in the ass to apply. It's like thin layers over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah, I started out using uh, boiled linseed oil just because whatever YouTube video I run across you know, said to do that. And when I made the transition from not doing that anymore to buffing compound, it blew my mind as to how much I was changing the, the color of the wood. You know what I mean? With linseed oil or anything similar to that, it'll make it shiny, but that's not what the wood actually is supposed to look like. You know what I mean? It it doesn't make it, it dark- natural. Yeah, it darkens it and almost yeah. yellows it in a way. Yeah. I use clear natural mineral oil because for one because it's food safe and i'm doing kitchen knives and then for two it's clear so it's not gonna the wood's not gonna take in the color of the oil you know what i mean right i kind of i use wd-40 as i go you know i mean like i'll take it to 400 grit and hit some wd-40 on a rag and rub that all over it and then when i get the because that it doesn't make it shiny but it kind of makes it a little brighter then when i go from four to six hundred you can see every single place that you've hit you know what i mean because it, it dulls it back down and i just kind of wipe it like that in between each grit and it, it makes it real easy because you can miss a spot quick when you get into high grits mm-hmm. and not realize it until you get to the buffer like okay that little spot don't match yeah especially with that micarta i've got i mean if you've you know if you're going over the grains, it's going to make it look fluffy on the lower grits. And then if you miss a spot, like the, the knife pickle posted, I don't know, everybody probably saw it that had my micarta on it. That's probably the nicest finish I've seen on that micarta yet. Pickle, you did a fantastic job if you still listen to us. <laughs> um, like there was no burns, there was no fluffiness to it. It's hard to describe what I mean by fluffiness, but if you round over the edges, it frays the canvas. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, no, he did a fantastic job with that stuff. Yeah, Pickle still listens. I got a nice message from him last week about the intro that we used on the show. He thought that was funny. Yeah, I think he's been working pretty hard on his his the new hot space in his shop too yeah he's he's made hell of a good time on that yeah 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 he's killing it dude he is killing it and it's it's crazy to see him and his drive and know that he's in it two years now you know what i mean that's he's gonna be the next damn 
one of the old timers. I can't even think of an old guy. Steve Schwarzer. <laughs> I shouldn't think of somebody old. But uh, yeah, Jason Knight's not that old, right? No, he's Was not. He in his late forties, probably. Yeah, I, I think guess. he's like fifty-two or fifty-three. Oh, really? I didn't know he was quite that old. Just good genetics. Yeah, he holds up well. Yeah. His his beard's all gray and shit when you see him on Forge and Fire on the old episodes, but when you see him at Blade Show, he is clean shaven. No hair, no beard, no mustache, no nothing. Yep. With his Hawaiian shirts on, taco meat all <laughs> hanging out. Taco meat. What's taco meat? The chest hair. Oh, like the 70s porn hair. Yeah, dude. Out? Yeah, he's got his taco meat all popping. I've never heard it called taco meat before. <laughs> I don't that's just my whole life that's kind of what we've known it as, you know, the old dudes, the taco meat with a gold chain running through it. <laughs> nice. All right, guys. Well, let's get ready to wrap this thing up on a fine Sunday afternoon. I got a raffle to do. So, ooh, ooh. I hope both of you win, first and second. We'll meet you over there probably. Take it. <laughs> Well, man, thanks again to everybody who participated in this raffle. We got 90 people ended up in it. That is insane. Like, blows That's my great. mind. And, I mean, it started off so freaking slow. You know what I mean? I was scared because I was like, man, I'm going to end up building a freaking knife for free, which I would have done in a heartbeat. I wouldn't have loved it, but I'd have put just as much, you know, love and effort into that knife as I would any other one. But, man, just getting to 90 spots, that is freaking awesome. And uh, going to be a, a couple little surprises coming up down the road, too. But we'll get to those on a different day. But, uh, Brian, Henningkamp, Tortuga Blade Works, thanks for being on here with us, man. It's been fun. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. We'll have to get you back on here again one of these days, too. And, you know, we should do like an all-star review episode one of these days maybe when we get to episode 100 we'll just start cycling back through some of our favorite guests so, that'll be cool yeah fun so, alright man well let's wrap it up hope you guys all have a great week I'm Jason Hartwell from JK Blade Works I'm Ryan Coakley from Ryan Chaborn Knife Works <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Brian Hinnenkamp from Tortuga Blade Works that was on the fly when nobody knew that was coming and I'm the only one that screwed my own name up it's not JK Blade Works <laughs> <laughs> oh well we'll keep trying rebranding yeah yeah keep on hustling and keep on grinding bye